And here we go. You are listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel on this December the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2020. December the 23rd, 2020, Law and Gospel. This is the last live program of Law and Gospel on KFUO for, for the year 2020. That's right. Next week, we're all off. And we will be back on January the 7th, God willing. And that'll be with Wes Reimnitz on a rumination Thursday. So normally on Wednesday, we continue with CFW Walther's understanding of law and gospel. And we're into a number of evening lectures that he gave. I decided, though, that today... This particular broadcast being the last one of the year, I would do something and to show you how important are the distinctions of law and gospel. Been talking about them for many years here on KFUO. And I have to say that when we talk about law and gospel, we're making a point that it often gives not only a different understanding of a text but it also gives a totally different application than what appears to be in the English. And so we're going to take a kind of a Christmas event and show you how the English can really be a problem from a law and gospel point of view and to show you how to resolve that problem using the distinctions between law and gospel. Uh, The text I'm using is from chapter 1 of Luke, when the angel Gabriel comes to visit Mary. In verse 30, Gabriel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, that particular English phrase leads to a question. What was there about Mary that led God to find favor with her? And that'll tell us a lot about whether God will find favor with you. Almost all of the translations use the term favor. And when you look that up, it means approval, uh, support, liking because of someone who they are or something. For example, uh, political legislation may be viewed with favor. Why do we say that? We say that because the legislators adopted a law that is quite favorable to us. We approve of it. Notice that favor comes to the legislation because of something they have done. So if God finds favor with Mary, what is there that she has done? In fact, the word favor can be a noun or it can be a verb. When it's a verb, it's talking about showing approval or preference for something. So once more in the political realm, 
slashing public spending is a policy that few politicians favor. See, they don't favor to slash a lot of public spending because they've got various organizations that are pushing them for more money. But but notice that the word favor is always in light of something they have done. So to put the question another way, of what did God approve of Mary so that he found favor with her? And can you say that God has the same approval and favor toward you? Now, so far, this gives us the impression that God's approval of Mary was on the basis of either something she was or something she did. In Roman Catholic theology, God finds favor with Mary because they teach that she was sinless. When I was at the Milwaukee College, I had done a paper on Mariology, and there was a group that believed that since Noah and the flood, there was a kind of a sinless individual that could be traced all the way to Mary. And that's how she was sinless. The trouble is that's found nowhere in the Bible. And if that is true, then Mary's conception and birth was more miraculous than that of Jesus. Because as we teach in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, who's sinless, born of the Virgin Mary, who's a sinner. But Mary's conception and birth came from two sinful human beings, her father and her mother. So in a sense, her birth was more miraculous than that of Jesus if she was born sinless. But that can't be true because it's found nowhere in the Bible. It's a teaching of the papacy and something with which we would disagree. We also cannot agree that God found favor with Mary because of something she had done. Because like all the rest of us, she was and considered herself to be a sinner and talked about Jesus as her Savior. That's actually found when after Gabriel visits Mary, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who also is found to be pregnant even though she's very old in age, as Gabriel told Zacharias, her husband. And when she enters into the home of Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She knew that Jesus was in the womb of Mary. Mary then sings a song of praise. 
We call it the Magnificat. It's actually a part of the Vespers, and there's even a hymn uh, near the end of the hymnal on the Magnificat. And what does Mary say in this Magnificat? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, see, Adam and Eve would never talk about God as Savior when they were in the Garden of Eden before the fall into sin. They didn't need a Savior. They were sinless. They were holy. But in this case, Mary continues with her magnification, for God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now notice, she's not being called blessed because she was sinless. If she was born sinless, she says, from now on, they will call me blessed. And that's why her blessedness is because she became pregnant with Jesus. So, from a long gospel point of view, we believe, teach, and confess that we are all poor, miserable sinners deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. And that's why in the text dealing with Mary, she is really confused when the angel says to her, you have found favor with God. And she's wondering, what kind of greeting has this be? How have I been favored by God? Because when we talk about favor, we're often referring to maybe individuals we like more than others. Now, in movies, I'm not saying it always happens, but parents will sometimes tend to favor one of the children they have. They may have three children, and one is more of a favorite to them, maybe because they're more obedient or they listen to them or who knows, whatever the reason is. You, you find that often in, in families. And, and that is sad because all the children should be considered in the same way by parents loved exactly the same, and one shouldn't be favored over another. In fact, I enjoy watching various programs where murders take place and trying to figure out now who was the murderer. And a lot of times it's due because somebody was favored over someone else, and that made somebody jealous. So how are we going to get around this? that it appears the angel says that Mary is of a, of a personality or something she did that God favors her. When we have that kind of a problem, we know that that is a wrong distinction between law and gospel because the Bible doesn't give the reasons why God chooses people to be saved. Why does he favor someone else over someone other? 
Well, obviously, it can't be because of what they did. A good example to show that God doesn't choose individuals because they are his favorites is the apostle Paul when he was Saul. Saul was going around murdering Christians. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him, I'm the one you are persecuting. And Jesus elected him to be apostle to the Gentiles. Obviously, there was not something that Paul was a favorite of Jesus because he was murdering his followers. And yet, most of the translations use the word favor. So let's take a look at the original Greek word that is used to translate the word favor. And when we find it, are we not surprised? The word is charis. Now, that's the word for grace. If you're saved, by grace, through faith, not on account of your works, lest anyone should boast. What does grace mean? Grace is the merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, and increases them in Christian faith and kindles in them the exercise of the Christian virtues. We've talked a lot with uh, Mark Smith about the distinction between justice, mercy, and grace. Justice, if God was a God of justice in the sense that he gives you what you deserve, then all of us would be going to hell. But he's a God of mercy, which means he does not give us what we deserve, eternal punishment. And he is a God of charis, grace. And what does that mean? He gives us what we don't deserve. So a better translation, in my opinion, is when the angel comes, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. What, what does that mean? God has decided to become gracious. Mary was not the only woman in the entire world that could have borne the child Jesus. In fact, any woman could. If Saul the murderer could be apostle to the Gentiles, then Jesus could have chosen any woman. In fact, in the lineage to Jesus, remember there are two women that are Gentiles. They're not even Jewish. Ruth, who married Boaz, continued the line to Jesus, and Rahab, the prostitute, uh, protecting the spies in the land of Canaan. This is a totally different understanding then of what we are reading here. And as I said from Ephesians 2, we're saved not because God favors us 
over other people. I have no idea why God had me baptized, where I received faith in the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I was only an infant. And even for adults, uh, many of them come into Christianity and believe in the Lord, even though there are areas of teaching of the church they haven't got yet straight or understand properly, but they are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the difference uh, between the English and the Greek. In English, when we favor someone, it is because of who they are or what they have done. And that's unfortunately, if you had a unbeliever reading this section, they would say, well, God favors Mary over other women. Now he doesn't say why. Now Roman Catholics would say, well, cause she's sinless, but that's not true. And others may say, well, maybe she's a really good worker in, in the kingdom of heaven on earth here. But God doesn't choose people because of their works. He chooses them for no apparent reason. Now, he has a reason, and we may know about that when we get to heaven. But the fact of the matter is, when we say we're saved by grace, that means that is something we don't deserve. That's why God is gracious to us. So in the English, when we say we favor someone, it's because they deserve to have our favor, either because of who they are, uh, maybe there's some official in the government who helps with good laws or what they have done. But the Greek word, which is translated as favor, really is God's undeserved grace that God gives to believers without any known reason behind that favor, except what Genesis, I'm sorry, except what John 3 teaches, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So when we read the text from Luke, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, what, what's this about the sixth month? That actually is explained when Gabriel tells Mary in verse 36, your relative is Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. And so Mary visits her during the sixth month of the pregnancy with John the baptizer, stays three months, and then returns home. And Gabriel, of course, is an angel, and 
Mary is betrothed. That means engaged. But in those days, being engaged meant something much stronger than we do today. Today, in an engagement, you kind of make a promise that you will be getting married. But in those days, you were also considered, in a sense, married. There was just a period of time uh, before the husband and wife were blessed in a marriage ceremony, which was to happen with Joseph, who's of the house of David, because it shows the lineage to Mary and Joseph from all those that were leading to the birth of Jesus. And when Mary sees the angel, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And you can understand the misconceptions if you don't realize the distinction between law and gospel. Because Gabriel can't be saying to her, you're favored because of what you have done in the eyes of God. No, she has been graced for no apparent reason. And she does not deserve to become the mother of God but God has decided to grace her with that privilege. And Mary is greatly troubled at the saying and cannot discern what sort of greeting this might be. O favored one. And the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now this helps us to understand you and me. We are no different then Mary, we don't deserve to be chosen by God for anything. But because it's by grace, then we recognize that out of God's grace, he has chosen us as believers to be baptized or to hear the word of God and to come to faith. And we get back to that question of all theology, in my opinion, why are some saved and others are not? There is an answer to that, but it's not in the Bible. And then the angel says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name holy. He will be great and called the son of the most high. And the most high refers to God the father. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? She understands that she's gonna become pregnant with Jesus, but doesn't understand how that's going to happen. And the angel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. That's what we confess in the Apostles' Creed. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. There is evidence for Mary that the angel is telling her the truth. And what's the evidence she receives? she becomes pregnant as a virgin. And then 
she goes to visit Elizabeth. But Mary says something in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And that word servant can be translated as slave. We're willing to be obedient to the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's the attitude of the Christian. We are often faced with all kinds of situations where we may wonder, why is God doing this? How many times do we pastors hear, what did I do to deserve this pastor? Well, the fact of the matter, we confess that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, and therefore nothing that happens in our daily life comes anywhere near that. The only time that somebody didn't deserve it was Christ on the cross, where he paid the price for our sins and then provided us with the gifts of the forgiveness of sins and the robe of righteousness. So, good example of where we are talking about how long gospel helps us to see that God is not favoring Mary because who she is or what she has done. He favors her because it's a word for grace that he is giving her that which she does not deserve. And God has done that to you as a believer. That's what Christmas is really all about. I'm Tom Baker, and as indicated, we, God willing, will be back on January the 7th with Wes Reimnitz on rumination, and later we will continue with Walther. Till then, Merry Christmas. Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker. P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.